With us today is Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. This is Lisa Headley's strategies for dealing with stress. Once again, I will say, of which there is so much. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> There's always so much. Yeah, but the planets have been particularly... Um, oh, have they been evil? They've been, shall we say, active. Oh. And we're talking Boris Natasha active, not just... Oh, dear. Well, that <laughs> explains it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, you and- know what? I was not going to do another post on my website about meditation for a while. <laughs> Until and- these planets... I'm, t- I'm telling you, I have had so many calls from former clients who I haven't heard from in the longest time going, uh, what do we do? And I was like, okay, I see the trend. And the answer in each of their cases was, you gotta just sit. So that's why I, I, I did a post quick, quick, that's about just sitting. And what I'm, what I mean is, you know, dare we say meditate, because people are so scared of that, that word. A lot of people, a lot of people do it. But a lot of people are like, oh, I can't do that. I don't have time and I don't have energy or I hear it's nonsense or there's so many ways to do it. I don't know which one is right for me or this person says this is the only way to do it and I tried it and didn't like it. I, all of those things do I hear. But at the same time, this just groundswell of challenge, <laughs> which has a different tone than, you know, we, so we always say, oh, we're always stressed, everybody's stressed, it's the holidays, we're stressed, or it's this, or it's that. But right now, woza. Well, right now, woza, and, you know, I, I, I resist waxing astrologically, although you allow me to do so sometimes. But right um, now, uh, it's absolutely core transformational issues, and people are up against choices that they haven't wanted to make and realities that they haven't necessarily wanted to confront. And the tricky bit is that as with so many things in life or as with ex- you, you you develop habits around these core issues. Mm, and then sure. you have the regular stress of everyday life. And sometimes things get shoved into the category of regular stress of everyday life that are actually core issues, but that's another story for another day. Anyway, right now... <laughs> Planets simply aren't having any of it. So hmm. it's hmm. how you want to deal with the core. Now, there's no no one's being frog marched into oblivion. It's, it's it's There's a lot of free will, but you have to sit still long enough to access it. Well, right. But you also have to create, I mean, sitting still is to me the vehicle. Right. No, no, the but what, what issue, yeah, the issue is to, to just create enough space and peace around your brain right. so that you can um, even begin to pay attention to and understand what is going on. In your body, in your mind, in your situation. And I know this is, it just sounds so crazy. And when people said it to me before I really started having a, 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 a consistent meditation practice, I would go, oh, yeah, sure. But you really do get, I don't know what else to call them, you get these kind of transmissions about what to do and how to behave and what's important. You just, there's like a clarity that comes. And I don't know what it is, really. We don't ever know what it is. But I do know it is. And I do know that if you make a consistent practice of sitting every day and just clearing a space inside you and around you, all sorts of good things happen. And I have to say this. You know, part of the challenge when you have uh, 
children and dogs and husbands and jobs and different things is finding the place and the time. So part of the magic of the whole process, I really think, is just that. It's the minute you make a commitment to create the space, which in my case happens to be my closet, um, and you, it's sacrosanct. You know, my children know that if my closet door is closed, mommy's in the closet. Mommy's in the closet. Do not bother her. And they really don't. And the dogs, and I hear the same is true even more so with cats, the dogs come and sit. They nestle right up against me. It's like the quiet and the energy of that space is, is calming to them too. So even my kooky puppy will come and go, like she's going to try and play with me. And then she goes, oh, no. And she lays down. So, you know, there's something to just the act of creating the space to sit. And then we can get to the subject of how you're going to sit, what you're going to sit. I mean, like the real practicalities, what am I going to sit on? Am I going to be able to do it physically because I have a backache? So you got to sort through all of those issues next. And I, I obviously, if people are driving and listening to this, they're not going to be able to do it. But my website has this absolutely laid out in terms of things you need to do. So the first thing is you need to set up your practice space, which is what we're talking about. And the, and I'm telling you, the, the, the benefit of that may be enough to cure a lot of things that are ailing you because you make an action in your life where you say, I'm going to create this thing that didn't exist before in this space. And once you see that you can actually do something that you had resistance to, or you weren't sure you could do, or you were sure you were too busy to do, a lot of other things open up too. You know, a lot of the, I can't do it because is become, oh, but I thought that about that. And that wasn't so true. I was able to do it. So just setting up your space is is a big thing. And you can set it up, you know, with little Buddhas or you can set it up with a vase of flowers or you can just sit in a chair or you can anything that floats your boat. I mean, for me, the more ritual around it, the better because I feel sort of makes it more compelling. Like, you know, scent, as we talked about a couple of shows ago, it's very, very important. So I have these nifty, oh, I'm so excited, whole nother subject, but nifty little um, aromatherapy sticks that a, uh, a woman I know oh, has you were, you were talking about those. created. Yeah. Now, and so I use those in the meditation space. There's one scent in particular. So just as I'm sitting, I kind of take a whiff and, you know, gradually, as we talked about, that becomes the whiff of my meditation, which is very useful. I mean, it's useful actually practically, as we said, because it does create a, a something, a chemical reaction in your brain and body. But it's just useful as a habit-forming thing where you go, hmm, that's my smell, time to go. You know, it's Pavlovian. <laughs> um, but can, so, I, can I just, uh, just say something in between here? Because it's mm-hmm. all good. But just take a second. It, what about the people who are already, and, I, and I, just so many of them have crossed my path in the, in, in the last period of time. So just before we get back to creating a space, what about the ones who are like, I don't have time to do any of this. <laughs> I just want to take one brief second and say, actually, you do. Forget the creating the space right this second. Here is what you should do. 
what can people who just are listening going, yeah, that's a great idea. If I had the time to create the space, then I would, but that's not going to happen. So. Oh, well, but you know, there my answer is you do have time to create the space. I just have no time for the idea that people don't have any time. And since what I'm asking you to do is dedicate 10 minutes of your life, we can all find 10 minutes. I have to say it this way. If I can find 10 minutes... <laughs> Everybody can find 10 minutes. Right. So then it's more about finding a place that you can go because in that 10 minutes, you're not necessarily going to clean, be, be yes. able to clean out the closet yes. and get and the scent sticks yes. and do, do all but of that. Where, yes, exactly. I mean, in other words, my list is, is so that you can be there once you've cleared that 10 minutes. But you can clear that 10 minutes in any number of ways. You can wake up 10 minutes earlier. I know. I mean, really? 10 minutes earlier? So I used to get up. We've talked about this before. I used to get up at 7. And I would race around to get everybody out the door by 7.30. And now I get up at 20 to 7. Now, I do a 20-minute sit in the morning, but I get up at 20 to 7 so that I have time to do what I need to do and get everybody out of the house. You know, really? Is that 10 minutes, 20 minutes making that big a difference? No, it's not. But it's making a huge difference in your ability to function. And I will tell you this. If you carve it out of your sleep, what you're doing when you're sitting is creating a purification of your nervous system, which is way more beneficial in practical daily activity ways than that extra 10 minutes of laying in bed. There are studies which will back me up after study. You, you create, a, uh, let's say, to the nervous system benefits which far exceed the benefit of that last 10 minutes when you're kind of looking at the clock going, oh, I have to get up. I'll get an extra five minutes. Oh, I have to get up. I have to get up. That's agitated extra time. Sitting in a meditative posture, shall we say, or in a meditative repose, which we can talk about in a second, is way more beneficial to your nervous system, to your immune system in the end, because it's, it gets all the systems flowing. And since I insist upon at least starting your practice with some kind of breathing type meditative practice, you're also getting that oxygenation. And why I say I insist that you start that way is because once you get used to doing it that way, the deeper breathing, which helps the body, becomes natural part of the meditation. So, yeah, in answer to your question, I am telling you there are steps you can take to get yourself to build this practice. Uh, so setting up your space is the first one. Right. Setting up your tools, using a timer. I use a timer. Now, when I was first taught to meditate, oh, no, you have to meditate 45 minutes and you have to do it without a timer and blah, blah, blah. Every time someone says, I have to do it a certain way, I just have to run screaming from the room. And in fact, it kept me from meditating for a very long time because there were so many rules. And no, I can't use a timer. Well, a timer is good for me because a timer means I'm not constantly squinting at the clock in the middle of my meditation, agitated about when it's going to be over. Because believe me, you do that. Even seasoned meditators, or my version of them, do that because some days I just feel like, well, I got to get up and get into my life. So I'm, I'm anxious to do that. And that's part of what that day's meditation is about. It's about me saying to myself in myself, you know, categorizing that thought process as, oh, that's the too fast, busy, 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 busy self that needs to just take a chill for the extra 15, 20 minutes I'm going to sit here. So 
I don't want to confuse things. What I'm saying first is use a timer. There's an app on the phone called Insight Timer. It's really easy. If you don't have a phone, buy yourself a little kitchen timer. Anything will do that makes a nice little sound. The Insight Timer gives you choices of sounds to finish the meditation. And I would suggest that one that goes, is not a good one. <laughs> or that, or I, I, I've always been a big fan of the old car horn, not. Um, not. No, you, you know, don't, you don't want to be jolted. Ding dong right. or a gong, ding, ding, ding. Something that reminds you to come back to the real world right. of your daily life gently is preferable. And, you know, this, the, the, the other big thing is schedule it and make it a habit. Once it's a habit, I promise you, you won't feel good unless you've done it. It's like brushing your teeth. Right. But you got to build the habit. You know, it takes a while to build habits. It takes a while to break habits. But build it as a habit. And I promise, because I've never heard anybody say otherwise, if they really built that habit, and, you know, they say it's the habit built is 28 days, then you'll always feel like something's missing if you haven't taken that time for yourself. And again, that can be psychological, but it's also physiological. Your body gets used to having a space where you're sitting and you're quiet and you're allowing everything to settle. So you can experiment about what time of day is going to work for you. I mean, I, I, sometimes like if I, I've missed it in the morning for one reason or another, I will sit at midday or I will carve out a little space before I go to bed. And the meditations are very, very different. They feel very different. I'm not going to tell you one is better than another. They just feel very, very different. So it's fun to experiment with it. I would say try to get the habit built before you start experimenting too much because as with all habits, pick and stick is kind of the rule. But you got to experiment a little before you can pick and stick. So that's that. And then how to sit, like literally how to sit. Well, elevating your hips on a cushion or a yoga block or something is a good idea because it allows your spine to be straighter more naturally. And then you want to pull your chin back a little so that your neck is in line with your spine and then drop the chin just a tad because that, again, will straighten and open the neck. Uh, so it's one straight line, again, of energy running up and down your body, but you want that. So if that's not comfortable for you, then sit up against a wall so that you can have a little back support or sit in a chair with your feet firmly grounded, not legs crossed in a chair, feet firmly planted on the earth. Um, and again, just try and sit up straight. Um, and if you have to lay down, lay down. No biggie, but don't fall asleep. No sleeping is the big rule. Or as one of my teachers says, no sleeping, no sleeping. <laughs> he repeats it several times when he's doing guided meditations. And there's a reason he, for that? Well, because you don't want to be in the actual beta, theta, zeta state of REM, sleep. You want, this is psychic sleep. This is when the mind remains fully awake, but the, the, the chatter of thoughts is what recedes and allows your... Uh, inner self, the big capital S self to be present. So you just, no real actual snoring, a sleepingness is, is the way to think about that. And then, you know, I offer a, a, just a really simple close your eyes, scan your body, 
breathe, listen to the breath coming in and out through the nostrils, watch your belly rising with breath, just see how it works in your body. And um, then you can use the breath so that, you know, after you've done this scan and kind of seen what's going on in there, then you use the breath for when those thoughts come up. Because let me promise you, thoughts and worries and all kinds of junk will come up and those thoughts and worries will be like little demons and they will try to convince you that you shouldn't be sitting there because you have too much to do. They will convince you that the big clunk you just heard in the other room is something that desperately needs your attention or that phone call is the one you have to answer. But instead, what you should do and what you must do is say, huh, the phone rang. I'll see who that was in a few minutes. Categorize that as things you'll do later. Move on. So always useful to, um, to you know, think about what those thoughts that came in are for a second. You know, put an emotion on it or an action on it. Like, oh, that's a family thing or a social life thing or that's the emotion of fear or anger or happiness. And then whatever it is, just let it be a distant thing and let it go and return to listening to your breath, watching your breath fill your lungs, just whatever you need to do so that the breath becomes your, your ally and your friend in uh, combating all those little demons <laughs> trying to convince you that this is something you shouldn't really be doing. And the thing um, about demons, just, just to interject, is that they, they have, once they're allowed to purchase, they, they are very powerful. They are so powerful that let me tell you something, after years and years and years of practice and missing very few days in my practice, I can still have to fight, literally fight those little demons of you don't need to do that today, you're not going to do that today, it doesn't matter if you miss today, why would you do that today? Literally, I have to fight it and it's so funny and every once in a while I even have to fight resist the urge to look at my timer just to see if maybe it's not going to go off at the right time maybe I'm really already supposed to be out of this meditation other days it goes fast boom and you feel like whoa what was that 20 minutes or 10 minutes whatever you've committed to but it is amazing the power and the force of those internal voices I mean, and this is true throughout life, and that's the beautiful thing about any kind of a sitting practice, too, is that you see the parallels of the ways you undermine yourself in, all, in your life in general, in your relationships, in your actions, and etc. Right there on that cushion, you see it because I, 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 mean, I laugh at myself. I say, oh my goodness gracious. That's how you can know, for example, that that extra half a chocolate bar that you don't need to be eating really doesn't need to be eaten by you, and yet that voice gets you to eat it anyway. It's extraordinary. You know, I'm using a silly example of a chocolate bar, however, one that I'm sure we've all succumbed to, or the carton of ice cream or whatever it is. But it is amazing the stories you can tell yourself that can get you to do things that you're higher self, your lower self, whatever, whichever other self it is, knows way better than to do. Oh, yeah. But that's the way it is. And that's how we hijack ourselves. And that's, you know, how you, those are called crimes against wisdom, pranya aparad in Sanskrit, crimes against wisdom, crimes against inner wisdom. And I will tell you that the more you sit and are able to work with those 
impulses to do the crimes against your inner wisdom, the more you're able to not do it across the board in your life. So there's, you know, infinite benefits to, to training yourself to do this. So, <sighs> what else can I tell you? Uh, that's just, about it. I mean, I just, you know, then you have to actually keep at it for 10 minutes. And then you have to remember that at the end, when your 10 minutes or 20 minutes is up, don't just pop up and go, okay, well, that was fun. That was over. Now, and race into your day. Because you're in a very quiet place. And that's a really good place to think about what kind of day you want to have. Now, earlier in this practice, I've always said, make an intention, set an intention, because you can accomplish incredible things if you just ask yourself to give yourself some answers. So if you've set an intention at the beginning of this practice, then at this point, at the end, repeat that intention that you set at the beginning to yourself so that it's in there. And you'll be amazed at how we are able to achieve things that we've decided we will do when we do it in this space of quiet. And then, you know, I, I, I don't know how else to say this, but just be grateful to yourself for taking the time, thankful for having the time. Because when you develop grateful and thankful habits of mind, it will change your thinking and change your life across the board. And it's another habit in its own interesting way. But sure, but a it's a habit within a habit. Yes, but it's a good. You know, unfortunately, habits have <laughs> some habits are, are are good and helpful. Some less so. And, <laughs> yeah, some very less so. <laughs> and what happens is that they all co go into the habit file, and next thing you know, you're talking about habits that are the the, the less so habits, and it's very easy to forget that you actually have good ones. Yeah, that's for sure. So this is what you do. And I just wanted to throw in one, one, one other thing, ask how you felt about this. Um, we were doing a little study, happened to be in New York, the city, the city of Big the other day and counted the number of people walking down the street with cell phones, either on it or, or attached to it or looking down. You know, just a miracle that more lampposts aren't being hit at any given moment. And... <laughs> You, you you simply cannot find someone. We were on the Upper West Side. And ev everybody, I, I saw two girls actually, and when I say girls, probably young, young teenagers. They were holding their phones in their hand, but they were talking to each other. But separate and apart from that, yeah. um, everybody was on or looking at their device. And I thought, wow, you know, no one's even appreciating the beautiful day and the sunshine and the fresh air and well, the, but they are they're taking a picture of it and instagramming it <laughs> well most of the people weren't i'm kidding i understand that's the way it's going it's it's but but there's there's something around that too that i think needs to be examined because once you're looking at something through a lens it's not i mean it's great but it's not the same thing right well clearly but that's the way i i don't know I, that conversation i don't know what to say there was a funny thing making its way around Facebook uh, a couple of weeks ago that was a – it was just a photograph of a college campus. And it was people walking across uh, like a quad or something. And every single kid was on their device. Yeah. It was either talking on the – none of them – most of them weren't talking on the phone, mind you, of course. They were text – they were using right. their thumbs on their device. And it was such a um, – gosh, talk about 
I know me and, and like pod people. I don't. Yeah. It's just fascinating. This kind of totally segregated, separated, this alone sense, which was right, which really is, which, something. And it's, it's just worth noting because if you're that alone, then you can feel lonely. And that's, again, that, that just seems to be a theme that people are butting up against. However, we are, as usual, out of time. Speaking of no time, no time. So thank you very much, Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. This is Lisa Headley's Strategies for Dealing with Stress. Lisa can also be found at La Life. That's L-A-H Life dot com. Come on, I'm so cool.